0: Did you know that approximately 1.2 million people in Guatemala lack access to electricity? There's a whole host of challenges that come along with that, but one of the basics is as simple as light, leaving many to use kerosene lamps to light their homes in the darkness. Now, while Guatemala's economy has been growing, the gap between rich and poor is among the highest in Latin America, with, get this, around half the country living in poverty. That's insane. Now in this growing economy, agriculture plays a huge role with that sector accounting for over 13% of the GDP and almost one third of the labor force. Today we chatted with Veronica Garcia, the founder of BitLumens. She's got a stellar record of working with governments to advance their renewable energy initiatives and is now working to help women farmers in Guatemala gain access to solar energy and financial services. BitLumens provides Guatemalan farmers with small solar energy units that produce light and can charge small devices, like a phone. As the farmers pay for the units in installments, they're building financial credit, which they can then use to acquire microloans to build up their businesses. This episode is killer, and Veronica is amazing. Enjoy the show. Welcome to The Blockchain Bee. I'm your host, Ronnie Rose, and today we are interviewing Veronica Garcia, the founder and CEO of BitLumens. Hey, Veronica, how are you? I'm good. Thank you so much for having me. Thank you for joining us. Uh, So before we get into the amazing things that BitLumens is doing, I want to know more about you. You have a really impressive background. Um, You're kind of like a global money boss. Uh, So can you... (laughs) Tell us about yourself, you know, not just your career, but who you are, where you grew up, anything about your childhood that influenced you, literally
1: anything. Well, I'm actually Venezuelan. That's uh, where I come from. You know, it's uh, an amazing country. Then I moved to Switzerland where I studied. I studied economics in Lugano University. Mm -hmm. I had my kids while I was at the university. And later on, I started to work for Credit Suisse and, and UBS. So after a few years of banking, I was an investment consultant there for asset managers. So I was building their portfolios. Mm-hmm. And after a while, I saw it and I decided to go back to university. So I went to the ATH. This is like the Polytechnic of Zurich. Okay. they I specialized on energy economics. I worked a lot with power plants and in particular with solar technologies. While doing the master thesis, IBM Research Lab absorbed me and I was doing my thesis there together with two different advisors, one of them is an IBMer, and the other one was Professor Rutherford, an American amazing scientist mm-hmm. who was focusing on operations research. And after that, for family reasons, after I you know worked for IBM for about four years, more or less, I had to leave and, and move to Washington, D.C. Okay. And uh, here I work for the World Bank and Inter-American Development Bank, mainly, again, on solar technologies, wind technologies. Okay. Understanding what is the investment need of you know globally or different countries Mm -hmm. if they were to commit to their uh, country targets so each country has a particular renewable energy target right and uh, these targets are really important because they also tell you how much investment you need in a particular technology so I was exactly doing that right in particular at the IADB
0: so you were the one sort of like designing the proposed budgets for countries and helping them figure out where they should invest their money or just how much they should invest it's based
1: on their targets their renewable energy targets I would tell them this is how many power plants you would need like solar plants you would need to commit to that particular goal within 10 years or 20 years right mm-hmm. so this was one of the aspects i was covering the other one was more research on concentrated solar Plants in Morocco, for instance, uh, where we measure, you know, how much we can produce Mm -hmm. from those plants and how we can connect them to the grid.
0: Okay, so you started off in finance with Credit Suisse and then you got into renewable energy at ETH and with IBM and then at the World Bank, you meshed those two together. How did you get into renewable energy? Like what sparked your interest?
1: Uh, well, actually, my interest was sparked back then at IBM okay. I fell in love with the type of technology they they were building. Mm-hmm. My boss was one of these amazing geniuses who built the exact same type of cooling system they use for data centers and put it in a receiver, a solar receiver, so then concentrations could go up, you know, and and be higher than normal type of concentrations. So you would get a higher output, uh, you would get higher efficiencies as well. And we basically tested that, how much of that hot water we could actually reuse for thermal purposes, Mm. such as
0: desalination, AC, and heating. Okay, so after IBM... You left for DC and you started working with the World Bank uh, and helping these countries figure out how much they need to invest in renewable energy to meet their targets. Now, when did you leave the World Bank and why?
1: So it's not that I left, you know, I was under contractual type of basis. So I was a... Right,
0: you were a consultant.
1: Yeah, an external consultant. So, you know, they would give me projects for three months or uh, sometimes for a few weeks or for six months. You know, and it was very scattered. Got it. And then in between, I worked for the Inter-American Development Bank in Castalia, who was doing research on uh, the new uh, carbon taxes uh, implemented by Chile. Okay. So we were doing research on how was that going to impact the economy and the dispatch of power companies. Okay. So how did you get into blockchain? How did all of this lead to that? So that that's a very good question, actually. I love new technologies. I'm really fascinated by them. Mm-hmm. Um, so I started doing some research on blockchain like two and a half years ago, more or less. And then I thought, you know, there are some interesting use cases combining energy access with financial inclusion that has not really been tackled. You know, they, there are no, not not really a lot of use cases that combine these two. So I decided to do some research about that specific topic and see how we can uh, make a good use case from a financial perspective and of course with positive returns and at the same time have a social impact and bring these technologies in areas that really need it the most.
0: Right so then you did you decide before we get into explaining what BitLumens is did you want to create BitLumens and then you decided to help women farmers in Guatemala, or did you first notice an issue in Guatemala that led you to conceive the idea for Bitlumens? Okay.
1: So let's take, like, I will take you back a little bit more. Okay. I would say the way I, I work is I'm an, uh, an economist at heart, mm-hmm. I would say. So economists allocate resources efficiently. That's what they do to me. Whenever I see inefficiencies, I go mad because I think, you know, the technologies are there, ready to be deployed. We just need the investors to go into those areas and really build good pilots around it. They don't have to be perfect, but they have to be good. And they have to have some meaning and they still have to have a positive return. So this is the way my brain works and I thought, you know, in these big organizations where I used to work, mm-hmm. bureaucracy, it's unfortunate and, and it's something that it's, it's there. And the funds flow very slowly. Right. And at the same time, we have a huge issue with climate change. So I right. thought if we don't get private investors where they really need to go, like right now, not in 10 years, now we need them. There is no way governments alone can
0: comply with the goals set by the, the Paris Agreement. Okay. So tell us also what BitLumens is. What do you guys do? So,
1: so right now we are building an infrastructure
0: and uh, it,
1: it's an infrastructure on the chain actually mm-hmm. using IoT devices that we embed mainly in solar technologies. Okay. Okay. And these devices help us um, to bring energy access in areas where there is energy poverty. Okay. Mainly where there are no power grids. Right. Um, So the system looks like a little box it's a solar panel with a battery, LED light bulbs, and then you can charge your phone in the battery. We will include some sensors, and these sensors hopefully we can deploy by the end of June um, that will measure uh, how much power are we generating, how much um, are we consuming, uh, what are the payments of these users, and all of this will be recorded on-chain. Uh, and at the same time, how much are we mitigating in terms of black carbon? Mm-hmm. So whenever you burn wood, Whenever you burn kerosene or candles, you are emitting uh, black carbon. Right. And um, so what we are trying to do is tackle that to reduce, obviously, things like deforestation, where in Central America, there are huge issues around that. Um, So energy access for us, it's important. And since these people do not have a ton of of resources, Mm -hmm. we give this type of technologies and they pay in installments. Right. Again, that we... We record on the chain. We provide or we get a KYC from these users or know your customer. Uh, we will record behavioral variables such as what type of floor do they they have, how many people live in there, what are their wages, etc. So at the end of the payment period, we can give them with a credit score mm-hmm. that they could use. So financial institutions can maybe give them a microloan to increase the productivity of their yields. Like, for instance, a very simple use case would be a solar pump mm-hmm. where we can pump water out of the ground. They will irrigate their crops, at usually half of the costs. So this could be like a very simple way of paying with Bitlumens tokens alone that they would use, again, to increase their productivities.
0: Okay, so just to sort of clarify things and see if I understood it correctly... What you do is you sell these units, these individual solar energy units to specifically women farmers in Guatemala, and they pay you in installments. And as they're paying you, you guys collect that data to show that they're paying you on time and all the other, whatever other data you can collect, Um, see how they're using the energy, et cetera. You guys collect that data and then use that to create a credit score for them and then you, you share that with the banks or they can choose to share that with the banks Correct. sort of way and then they can secure these loans so they're getting this solar energy and they're getting or they're establishing credit for it exactly
1: they're establishing a credit score so mm-hmm. to me Identity, it's very important. Right. But the different use cases that you have around identity, it's what makes identity so important, actually. Okay. We are actually building a sort of financial identity use case for these people, right? Mm
0: -hmm. Uh,
1: Where we could actually reduce the risk by financial entities because they will get the data. Uh, And also the, the users will get the data as well, right? They will get access to their own data. Mm -hmm. Uh, Just to give you an example, in Africa, there are over 20 million devices, uh, solar home systems, and users at the end of the paying period will ask the company, please give me a piece of paper certifying me that I had actually paid for my Mm microloan. So then I can go to a bank and open a bank account. And most of the times banks do not open a bank account just with a piece of paper. Okay. So I just want to automate the whole process and make it very transparent for both the financial institution and also for the clients so they get access
0: to their data. That's so cool. So how? why did you decide to work with women farmers in Guatemala? That sounds very specific. Yeah. Why women? Why farmers? Why Guatemala? Okay.
1: So first of all, Data shows that women are more reliable than men when it comes to uh, repaying a microloan. Okay. And what we are basically doing is you know, bringing in these technologies in these areas. And I decided to bring solar home systems because the risk of default, I believe it's lower than if I bring a, a mini grid um, at the very beginning we didn 't have the funds to install a mini grid as well, yeah, so we decided to to bring this you know very cheap type of technology, but that works amazingly well to these particular areas where, as I mentioned before, they have huge issues around deforestation, mm-hmm. so I want to tackle all of that and bring them better options. so if we tell the utility company. We know how much they are generating in terms of power. We know how much they are consuming. We know how much they are paying. And we know what type of appliances do they need to increase their productivities. We can actually have in place a mini-grid as a second step. Right, and then we go milestone by milestone. First, I collect the data. I understand the community. I um, get the network. In Guatemala, there are over one point two million people that do not have access to electricity, and that there are many more that do not have access to reliable electricity. It's a small country, you know, so the percentages are quite high Mm -hmm. and while you know if you go to Nicaragua it's around 600k but obviously this is something that we want to pilot in other places as well like for instance Myanmar and Southeast Asia are places that we are currently trying to do some research and see if we can partner with local organizations that already have connections in the
0: field. Okay, now you mentioned that these solar-powered lights, these uh, little units, can you can charge your cell phone with it and it can give off light. What else can you do with it? Can you power anything? Is it enough power to no. power a oh, home? No.
1: no, 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 no. You only get electricity and you can charge your phone. Okay. And it costs around $170 that they can pay between eight months and one year. So they literally pay cents per day. Okay. Obviously at the very beginning. Mm-hmm. Then later on we can include higher type of systems or bigger systems, sorry, that where you can plug things like a TV or a radio. And then if... There is no way we can create a mini grid around that, which I doubt we will simply bring bigger type of systems. But eventually, what I want to do is first we test with the solar home systems and then we place a mini grid. So then they can have water pumps. Okay. They can power even small electrical vehicles, um, you
0: know, or whatever they need in those regions. Okay. Now, I understand how the blockchain comes into this in the sense that uh, as they pay, it's associated with their address and they own their credit data. Yeah. Where does the token come into play? Are they required to pay their installments with the Bitlumen token? Yes. Or can they pay with fiat or how does that work?
1: Well, actually, they can not pay with fiat, but the way... Um, let me walk you a little bit through the process of how we bring in the systems. Okay. So my agents go in there uh, to these villages, they will collect KYC, uh, they will of course uh, educate the, the leaders of the community. Mm-hmm. If they like it, then they make a second round where we would have like 50 people understanding how the technology works and they will make commitments. And then my agent will receive those commitments. He will install the machines. And then later on, every month, we try to go and get the, the payment from the end user. Okay. They pay in fiat currency. We input that in our application, in our software. We buy Bitlumens tokens in the secondary market mm-hmm. and send the tokens to the device and unlock the device. Right. If they don't pay, the device is locked. Right. Okay. So eventually, this creates an amazing use case for remittances where you can buy tokens in London, send them to a particular
0: machine, and unlock the machine, whatever you are. Okay. So if I am in Guatemala and I have family in London or in the US, they can pay for my machine? Yes. Yes, they can. Interesting. They can. Would that help boost their credit or boost my credit? No. Okay, so that doesn't qualify. No. Okay. No, no. That that would be separate. That's smart though, because yeah. then if, if that were allowed then banks wouldn't trust us and we want exactly. the banks there to trust exactly. us, of course. Exactly. I mean
1: what I want is to reduce somehow the the interest rate that these people pay. Mm-hmm. If you go to places like Mexico, uh you will see that if you want a micro loan you will have to pay around hundred, twenty percent interest rates and they will get an ROI of around 40%, which is crazy, I think. Oh, my God. It should actually not be ethical. That's insane. So with this type of method, we are trying to tell the financial institution, look, here is the data. We know how much they pay and when they pay and if they are delayed. Um, and this is the their credit score, their credit record over a year.
0: Okay. So the token is necessary because that's how the payment communicates with the, the machine. With the machine. It's not that you guys are receiving it and then once bureaucracy does its job and kicks in and says, Okay, we received the payment, we'll turn it on. Exactly. That doesn't happen. It's no. automatic. As yes. soon as the payment goes through with the Bitlumen tokens, the machine is unlocked. And then if they if they miss a month, does the machine get locked? Uh, yes, yes, it does. Yeah. Okay, interesting. That is that's really cool. I like I like how this is working. Have you been to Guatemala? Oh yeah,
1: oh yeah, definitely. I try to go there at least once every one and a half months, so every five weeks, more or less. I try to go there. Okay. I have a really good team mm-hmm. working over there, and I love it. It's it's an amazing mother uh, you know, and, and she, uh, first she wanted me to hire the son and afterwards she just loved the job so much that I, you know, uh, she stayed. She stayed. She was just
0: like, this is my job now. Yeah,
1: it's, it's my job. And I mean, she has amazing contacts with the communities. So it's, you know, just so much fun to, to have her around and and a big help Mm -hmm. to have
0: her. So was it when you were visiting Guatemala that inspired you to do bit lumens there or? No, no, no. I did
1: research in six different countries. Okay. And I decided to uh, stay in Guatemala because it's the country where I think I could scale the most, at least in Latin America and Central America. Mm-hmm. Again, there are other countries that are huge, you know, and with big opportunities like I said before Myanmar Indonesia yeah everyone is going into Africa Africa it's quite crowded so ideally what
0: I want to do is partner with existing companies that already uh work there Mm -hmm. but also you mentioned earlier that like you send an agent down there to explain to teach it to the community and if they like it then they'll participate yes this sounds like a no-brainer to me yes I mean from what you've You've said they use right now like kerosene lamps to have light. Yeah, yeah. having a solar powered unit and building credit like sounds obvious to me. Is it? Yeah. Is it hard to convince them? It is not hard to convince them.
1: It's hard to get access to the community. Okay. So Guatemala, it's a very indigenous oriented type of uh, society, especially in rural areas. Okay. So the you have like a community leader, right? And. That community leader is with whom you actually want to meet with at the very beginning. And then if
0: he or she gives you a green light, then you can uh, get access to the whole community. Okay. So this is an official person or this is like quietly people just respect one person or naturally people just respect one person in the community and they sort of speak for everyone?
1: Oh, no. It's like a protocol. Okay. It's like a protocol, you know. It's like they have their own
0: governments, I would say. It's like a decentralized government. What else do you want to share about BitLumens? You know, what's important for people to know about it?
1: I mean, I think it's important if we can mention the three different use cases that I have in mind, you know, so people don't get too scared with, you know, it's just for rural areas. And, you know, I have a lot of investors asking me why women, you know, and most of my investors are men. So tell me about the three use cases that you have. Mm -hmm. for this tech. Okay. So right now we have, as I said before, the pilot in Guatemala with solar home systems. Okay. These are very small type of systems that are not connected to the grid. Mm -hmm. Then the second type of use case is through mini grids that are connected or they can also be not connected to the grid, one or the other, uh, where people can trade energy with each other or they can sell back to the grid. And the third one, it's more for... so cool. Yeah, it's, it's really nice. I mean, the, the technology is amazing, I think. Yeah. And then the, the last piece is um, in places where you have a grid and you can live in a city and you want to feed the grid back. Mm-hmm. Um, and for that, you need really specific type of algorithms. We are working on that, you know, so you don't disturb the frequency of the grid. And that's important. So the first use case, it's the important one. And hopefully we can move into the second one and third one as, you know, we speak. And probably in one or two years, it will take us a little while. And it depends on the type of
0: partnerships we find along the way. Right. And as you said, one of the main challenges is getting access to the community. So uh, if it's something new, you don't want to overwhelm them with uh, these people from a different country want to come in and... Bring these solutions yes yeah. people people aren't interested in that. they want to work with you and they want to know that it's coming from them too. So if you can show introduce first you know mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. the single units where they own it, it's theirs. It helps them build credit and then eventually you grow to mini grids and then larger grids where they can sell the energy that they produce back to the grid or to their neighbors who maybe don't have their own solar-powered unit. Yeah. That's that's pretty cool. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. So what sort of challenges are you facing with this other than trying to break into those communities?
1: Well, actually, there are many challenges. One of them is the fact that some investors would ask me, you know, why are you working with women? most of my you know the the clients we have are men how do we explain that mm-hmm. so the variable i did not take into account was the education of different types of investors right we will have the blockchain investors that would say okay i really like the blockchain piece but but why women farmers again mm-hmm. and you know we will go back to the to the impact investors mm-hmm. and they would say oh we love it but why are you using blockchain what is that you know so then it's a matter of really trying to educate them right. and guide them through the whole process and why, you know, and telling the story and make them understand that energy poverty is actually very expensive, Mm -hmm. and that those people pay more than we pay in cities, right, you know, that has been quite
0: a challenge. Interesting. And you know, I tell people all the time, blockchain isn't an industry, it's a technology. Um, But some people only understand blockchain technology and not really outside industries. Well, not only blockchain, since Mm -hmm. it's so new, but like, that's their focus and it's tough sometimes for them to wrap their minds around the different applications of blockchain if they're focused on Mm -hmm. one Mm -hmm. avenue Mm -hmm. you know. Absolutely. This is really cool. So where are you guys now? I know you guys are having a token generation event soon are you fundraising right now from venture capitalists or what are you doing so
1: we are doing uh i would say a parallel round one is with equity and the other one is through tokens okay yeah so what we are doing is you know meeting with funds meeting with seed funds meeting with vcs meeting with individuals you know who want to collaborate in the project and so on so it's pretty much you know whoever is interested on the sustainability aspect of it. And, mm-hmm. you know, we can probably get a very good economic case, but it's not one of these crazy projects that you would see a 40-50% increase over a period of a few months. Yeah. It's just not going to happen.
0: You're also not looking for that because these this currency is designed to be transacted easily and yeah. used to pay for the electricity, or not for the electricity, but for the units. It's meant to be an actual currency. So regarding governments, is there anything that you need to work on with the Guatemalan government or any other government pushback? No, not right now. I think
1: when we will start to work with them, it's... um... When we will feed the grid Mm -hmm. back with additional power, this will be one use case. Okay. But as of now, we mostly work with financial institutions, you know, that give microloans to rural areas.
0: Now, you're Venezuelan. Why aren't you doing some sort of program in Venezuela? Well, that's a very good question. I don't know if they need renewable
1: energy like this. That's a very good question. Actually, um, you know, I love my country, but I can never, ever have such a pilot over there because of the unrest you know the political uh, situation it's quite messy yeah it's crazy yeah
0: yeah though we could say like they they need they need a decentralized currency the most oh yes oh definitely
1: oh definitely yeah
0: Yeah. they they do i mean this venezuela is like the perfect use case i think oh my god no it's so it's so horrible what's going on over there if you guys aren't familiar with what's going on over there the leader of venezuela is a former bus driver venezuela used to be what like the richest had the richest economy in all of Latin yeah, America. Especially in the eighties. And then when oil prices fell it, yeah. and everything became socialized yeah. and it's just it's tragic. It is. And the people there are intelligent and educated and this was all like in the split of a second. And I know there are projects that are trying to I know there are people in Venezuela who already use definitely. Bitcoin Oh, definitely. and they hold yeah. Bitcoin. Yeah, they do. They do. I mean, you know,
1: I think I would do it too if I would be in their shoes, you know, with inflation rate. Mm-hmm. It's just crazy. I think it's over a thousand percent. It, it's
0: just insane. Oh my God. Yeah. yeah. No, it's, th- that's crazy. Yeah. Now other, okay. So other than Bitlumens, um, and you've spoken a lot about identity, too, and specifically in the credit aspect. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. But other than BitLomans and credit, what other blockchain applications are you most excited about?
1: So I think machine-to-machine, machine, it's one of the most important ones. I'm really, really interested. Okay. Simply because you create a, a layer of privacy that you did not have before. And also security. For instance, you can, you know, sell As I said before, back to the greeter, back to one of the 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 neighbors you have around you, and get a revenue out of that, Mm -hmm. and have a predefined condition already in place and get paid within hours maybe. Okay. Where, you know, if you're a power producer, sometimes Mm -hmm. it takes forty days to get paid. Yeah. So it's a way of speeding up the process. Even though transactions are not the fastest as of now. But I think this will change. I'm not very concerned about that.
0: You guys are running on the Ethereum blockchain, right? You're an ERC twenty token? Yes. Correct. Cool. Correct, so it's, yes. it's faster than Bitcoin, of course. Yes. And with smart contracts and machine-to-machine communication, it's, it's pretty easy. <laughs> There's the dog. <laughs> yeah, there she is. I'm so sorry. No, don't be sorry. Guys, Veronica and I both have dogs that like to bark, and <laughs> neither one of them barked this entire episode until now. <laughs> And I just want to point out that it wasn't my dog. It was my fault
1: this time. I knew it. She was going to do it.
0: No, it's okay. It's okay. I liked her. I liked her little um, little feature in here. For those of you who don't know me personally, let me give you a quick summary of who I am. I'm originally from Israel, grew up in the US, and I'm now living in New York City with my dog, Bean. I love dogs, I love fitness, and I'm terribly addicted to peanut butter. Can't keep it in the house. I got into blockchain about a year ago and just dove in headfirst. Now this podcast has been my fun side project, but my main role is as a real estate agent with Douglas Elliman, one of the top brokerages here in New York and across the country. So if you or anyone you know is looking to buy, sell, or rent property in NYC, or is looking for commercial space, Send them my way. I aim to do for real estate what I do with this podcast for blockchain. Make a super intimidating world feel incredibly simple and easy to navigate. Okay, back to this machine to machine communication. We've already covered the, you know, somebody's individual solar panels selling energy back to the grid and the grid and the solar panels are communicating with each other and transacting with each other, which is wild. What other machine-to-machine communication are you excited about?
1: Well, I think IoT overall, it's it's a very important element of the whole thing. You know, like you can have uh, IoT devices around mm-hmm. your house and be controlled by a central... But with blockchain? With blockchain, you can do that, yes. Okay. Yeah. Yeah, it's just, I think it's easier, it's more transparent, it's not that messy. And right now, what I think we are missing are two things. One of them is an infrastructure that covers all of these different use cases where one can connect, has the opportunity to connect these devices Mm -hmm. into the chain. And of course, give the users the rights to use their data. Right right, and manage their data right and that's important, and the second thing I think we are definitely missing with blockchain is a global legal infrastructure you know where startups can actually scale, and that's that's something that it needs to be uh it needs to happen it needs to happen mm-hmm. fairly soon, fairly fast, you know you have Singapore, Indonesia, Thailand, Switzerland with sandboxes, but there you can test. For a period that goes anywhere between three and six months. And then you're out on your own, you know. Mm -hmm. I think it would be really good to see like a global setup where startups are comfortable and and regulated to to scale in different jurisdictions.
0: Well, I love learning about BitLumens. You guys know that I love talking to companies that are using blockchain for social good. And I especially love for-profit companies, which actually I didn't ask you this. How do you guys make money? So we
1: make money through, I would say, two different revenue streams that are the most important ones. Okay. One is through the hardware itself. You know, we partner with manufacturers, but we are actually the ones that pay for the machines and we go there and distribute them and sell them and so on. And the same will happen with mini grids. Okay. And the second one, it's through same memberships. So if people want to partner with us, uh, we would have a revenue sharing type of structure. And the other thing is transactions. So if we send remittances, we will charge 1% of the total value, whereas Western Union will charge, you know, 10 or 15%. Yeah. Times.
0: Western Union is expensive as hell. Yes. Yes, and I mean, in Latin America, we use that a lot. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Of course, when people want to send money back home. Of course, of course, yeah. So let's wrap this up here. Um, I, I've loved talking to you. I've loved learning about BitLumens. Thank you. I love companies that are using blockchain for social good and are for-profit, proving that you can do well by doing good. Um, it's a big thing for me and I'm so happy that you joined us. Thank you so much for joining us, Veronica. Thank you, Ronnie. How can people reach out to you if they want to work with you or learn more? So they can write us an email at info at
1: bitlumens.com. We also have a Telegram chat where, uh, me and my team are usually 24 seven in there. Uh, it's bitlumens news in Telegram. Okay. We are also in Twitter, It's just BitLumens or or Facebook, again, just BitLumens. But I think the easier will be, you know, if anyone is interested,
0: just drop me a line at info at bitlumens.com. Sweet. So we will add all the contact information in the description below. So check it out, guys. Join their telegram. Follow them on Twitter, Facebook, and all the social media. And you will be good to go. Thank you so much for joining us. Thank you. Thank you. Good job. Yeah.
1: Yeah. (laughs) That's was fun!